0: Welcome back. Our guest is Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. We're talking with him about thinking, well, as it's been often said, about the unthinkable to an awful lot of us. Vladimir Putin thinks about it a lot. I think it's fair to say so does Xi Jinping. Indeed, Vladimir Putin participates in simulated nuclear attacks against the United States with regularity. What I'm interested, Peter, in getting your thoughts on is what is the perception likely to be of how the Biden administration thinks about these issues based not just on its rhetoric, but in terms of what it's actually doing? Is it inviting um, perhaps a nuclear preemptive attack by the Russians?
1: Yes, I think they are inviting a preemptive nuclear attack by the Russians because they take deterrence so unseriously, they're so unserious about it. Here we are, we're in the midst of a crisis with Russia, a nuclear crisis with Russia, that I think is is a greater crisis than the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962 in terms of the possibility of nuclear escalation. And what's the Biden administration decide to do? It doesn't put our our forces uh, at at a heightened level of mobilization. to put them in a survivable posture. They're all still at DEFCON 5, which is the lowest readiness level which practically invites attack uh, to uh, our adversaries. uh, It postures us in such a way that if they were to attack us, it could be a a nuclear Pearl Harbor. And on top of that, in the middle of this crisis, the Biden administration very publicly decides to give up some of our most important nuclear weapon systems, canceling the Slickham-N, you know, which was going to be a new tactical nuclear weapon.
0: That's the sea-launched cruise
1: missile yeah, with a nuclear so warhead on it. To mitigate the Russian advantage, which is at least a 10 to 1 advantage in tactical nuclear weapons that Russia enjoys over us. And now that's gone. So we've given that up. And then we gave up on the other end of the deterrence spectrum, the b 83 which is our most single most powerful nuclear weapon, a 1.2 megaton weapon. It's the only, it's the last megaton class weapon that we have. And arguably, you could even argue that it's the most important nuclear weapon that we had, because it's the only weapon that we have that could drive a shockwave down to possibly kill Putin in one of his deep underground shelters. The main thing that would deter Z and Putin is their personal survival. Could we actually kill them in a nuclear exchange? Even the B-83 is not guaranteed to be able to do that because these shelters are so hard. But it's the only one that had some chance of doing it, and Biden has given it up. So there aren't going to be any more B-83s in our inventory. Also, we're not going to do direct descent anti-satellite tests anymore. Russia and China will be allowed to have a monopoly on that. I mean, this is all of these things are a deep lack of seriousness and proves that this is the most anti-nuclear administration in American history and it's happening at a time of grave nuclear crisis uh, that that could be the thing that, if especially if Putin really is desperate as uh, as people are claiming he is, uh, uh, could provoke him to roll the nuclear dice.
0: And Peter, part of what's going on here, evidently, is that uh, we have not only in the person of Joe Biden someone who has been deeply anti-nuclear all of his. You know, political life. Um, I think uh, it's been pointed out by our colleague Trevor Loudon that he got his start really with support from uh, the Council for a Livable World, which was one of the sort of pro Soviet, radical, anti nuclear organizations in our country. Uh, and that seems to be, you know, imbued in his thinking uh, personally. But in addition, he has populated his administration as I understand it, with lots of people who share this lack of seriousness about nuclear deterrence. And again, if the stakes were not so high at the moment, it would just be ill-advised, but it may well be reckless. Um, talk about that quickly. And and then uh, if you would just wrap up, uh, what should we be doing at the moment to enhance our deterrent posture and uh, convey um, a credible message that uh, Putin does not want to go there at the moment.
1: Yes, the Biden administration is is peopled with people who have been recruited directly from the anti nuclear radical groups uh, and put into administration positions. But in addition to that, the Democratic Party itself, uh, you know, has been captured. Adam Smith, you know, the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, uh, along with. Uh, uh, you know, arguably after Biden, because he writes the defense budget, you know, is one of the most important people in America, maybe the second most important person in America when, when it comes to our national defense policy. And he's a radical anti-nuclear activist. Uh, Smith has actually argued for the United States unilaterally to give up its entire ICBM force, you know, which, as I noted earlier, is the only part of our triad that is on alert 24-7 and is our uh, the only thing we've really got holding off a surprise attack. Everything else needs to be mobilized. But what could we do? What should we be doing at this grave crisis? Well, uh, the, the president should no longer be saying things like a nuclear war cannot be won and should never be fought when he's in a posture of weakness. As we said earlier, you know, when Reagan said that, we were in a posture of strength. You don't say things like that when you're on the verge of a nuclear, possible nuclear war, and, and the adversary has got all the advantages you know because your your nuclear weapons and your delivery systems are 40 years old and, and 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 might not even work we should raise the defcon level of our forces at least to defcon 3 so that they're mobilized and and, and on a more survivable posture we should go to the russians and uh, and tell them we've done it by all communications means by because the russians aren't talking to our general staff or to our state department and and and, and say look You've left us no choice. we've We've mobilized our forces to a higher readiness level uh, uh, because you've done it. Uh, so bring down the stand down your forces and we'll stand ours down and uh, and we can have a ceasefire in Ukraine and maybe talk about some kind of peace uh, uh, in, in in Ukraine because we've got to end that conflict uh, because of its nuclear escalatory possibilities. You know, that's the biggest national security interest, the only one that the United States really has is the possibility that Ukraine could become a nuclear powder keg for the whole world. So we need to end that conflict. And uh, I, I, I think we could negotiate on the basis of the peace treaty that the Russians offered before they invaded Ukraine. This doesn't mean we'll give them everything they want, but there are many uh, thing, asks in that peace treaty that are, are reasonable and that the United States could agree to. And if the Russians aren't willing to do that under these circumstances, then we'll know that there's no negotiating with them. And that Putin and Z are basically Stalin and Hitler in 1939, and Ukraine is Poland all over again. In which case, we've got to we've got to arm ourselves to the teeth and prepare for a World War III.
0: Yeah, I fear that may be in prospect, Peter. And I think your admonitions about what we need to do to try to prevent it are well taken. Uh, I'm not sure I'm holding my breath on the prospects for a peace treaty to be negotiated with Putin at the moment, but I do think that your point that he must be persuaded that we are at least as serious as he is about preventing a successful nuclear attack against this country, uh, that... If we we're to have any hope of uh, indeed dissuading him from engaging in it, Peter Pry, we have to leave it at that. Thank you for your time, as always, and for the extraordinary expertise you bring to bear on these subjects and so many others. Uh, I- had wanted to get into uh, one of your other very very strong suits which is the dangers of electromagnetic pulse and other threats to our electric grid but that will be for another day as there's a lot to talk about in that space as you know very well your book uh, blackout wars is a very important contribution to our understanding about that danger and i thank you for that as well as your visits with us here. And I thank the rest of you for joining us for this edition of Securing America. I hope you feel better equipped to help us do just that. For more information on what you can do, please check out our website, securingamerica.tv, and then go forth and multiply.